1: socrates once said the unexamined life is not worth living i read somebody recently that said the unexamined faith is not worth believing christians aren't to just have faith some people think that just have faith some christians uh, innocently uh, sometimes say that just have faith well not blind faith i mean we got verses like first peter 3 15 that commands christians to and i quote always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have
0: The faith of a Christ follower is faith like a child's. It's not blind. A child doesn't just trust anyone, but a child does trust their father. Pastor Danny reminds us today to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. But that answer can be as simple as a child's answer. I have hope because my daddy loves me. I can trust him because I know he has good things planned. I can trust him in even the hard times because I know he's helping me to grow. Don't have a blind faith. Know what it is that you believe and be ready to answer. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: Hebrews 11, as we go through this, we are not going to hurry. As a matter of fact, I suspect that I'll be slower going through Hebrews 11 this time than I was the last time we went through it. And certainly that's the way we're going to start today. And you'll see that Uh, we're not going to hurry through it. And Hebrews chapter 11 is going to be kind of like A series within a series, if you will, in our study of Hebrews, because while the theme of Hebrews is greater is Jesus, and that's the overall theme of Hebrews, this chapter really focuses on one thing, and that is faith, faith. Uh, Sometimes this chapter, it's sometimes been called the hall of faith because it's a sample record of men and women throughout history who have responded to God's revelation of himself to them and how they responded to that revelation. And as I thought about it in the last couple of days, in the simplest of definitions, that's what faith really is. It's a person's response to God's revelation of himself in their lives. So look at it with me, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, referring to ancients in history who responded to God by faith, and many of them you'll hear their names and learn about their lives as we study this tremendous chapter. Now, jump down, if you will, one verse, verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. It starts there. If you don't believe he exists, how are you going to respond in faith. Believe that he exists and... That he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, you could summarize that by saying, when we respond correctly to just the revelation of God's existence, and then because we know who exists, we seek him. Then as we seek him, he says, I'll reward those who seek me. Now, there's a lot of ways he rewards us uh, from seeking him. But one of the ways he rewards us is he reveals more of himself To us. Okay? Uh, Jeremiah 29, 13. Let me read it for you. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And there's a lot of verses that say similar things. And the idea is, here's God and he's revealed himself. And if we will respond to the revelation that he exists, he'll give us more revelation and we will be rewarded. And one of the ways we'll be rewarded is he will reveal himself more of himself to us. Now back verse 3 and that's the last verse we read this morning. Verse 3 By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I'm going to read it one more time. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. It all starts with the revelation of God's existence. Now, I'm going to leave the text. You, you can go with me if you like. You ought to be able to find the passage I'm going to read from. You just go all the way back to the first book in the Bible. Go back to the first book in your Bible. If this is not the first book in your Bible, you might want to consider talking to a pastor and looking for a different Bible. Genesis, the book of beginnings, here's how it goes. Verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, God spoke, let there be light and there was light. Now the most fascinating thing about that statement is this is before the sun, moon and stars were created. I don't have time to go there. Maybe we'll come back at some point. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness. He called night. So first thing he does, he brings light into darkness. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so God called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now I'm going to read the whole account verse nine. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters. He called seas and God saw that it was good. And then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. I love this next little statement. He also made the stars. Simple. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water team with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great sea creatures and every living and moving thing with which the water teams. Hallelujah. According to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw that it was good and God blessed them and said be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day and God said let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds livestock creatures that move along the ground and wild animals each according to its kind and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And I hope you'll appreciate where we're at now in the account, verse 26. And God then said, let us make man in our image in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And you saw just this morning, we've obeyed that one. Fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing, uh, living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they'll be yours for food. So all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening. And morning, the sixth day. And you say, well, how in the world did God do all that in six days? He's God. Four more verses. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating. That he had done. Contrary to popular opinion, God doesn't want anybody to have what someone has termed as blind faith. Blind faith. Did you know that? God's not into that. God doesn't want anybody to have blind faith. I read that account, I believe it, but I don't believe it because of blind faith. I believe it because of evidence. Socrates once said, the unexamined life is not worth living. I read somebody recently that said, the unexamined faith is not worth believing. Christians aren't to just have faith. Some people think that. Just have faith. Some Christians uh, innocently uh, sometimes say that. Just have faith. Well, not blind faith. I mean, we got verses like 1 Peter 3.15 that commands Christians to, and I quote, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have verses like 2 Timothy 10, verse 5, instructing Christians to, again, I quote, demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Uh, Somebody said, I think rightly so, Christians don't get brownie points for being stupid. I'll give you one more recorded for us in Matthew 22, verse 37, but it's an Old Testament passage from Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind. The fourth one is all your strength, but there he just included those three. All your mind, all your mind. Engage your mind. Now, God doesn't want anybody to have blind faith. At the same time, faith should be based on truth. Now, let me take just a couple of minutes on this because it's important. Because there are a lot of statements out there uh, about truth, I hope you understand that false ideas about truth lead to false ideas about life. Okay? False ideas about truth lead to false ideas about life. Uh, One of the uh, statements that you might hear out there is this. Here it is. All truth is relative. Now, if you hear somebody say that, here's the question you want to ask them. All right? Is that a relative truth? Come on, put your mind in gear here. There's a sister statement to that. It's this. There are no absolutes. The question you want to ask somebody that makes that statement is, are you absolutely sure? These are called self-defeating statements. Then there are those who say, there's no such thing as truth. Remember last week we looked briefly at Pilate's encounter with Jesus Pilate said, What is truth? Well, truth was speaking to him. Truth was embodied before him. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is truth? And if somebody says, There's no such thing as truth, here's the question Is that true? You see, it's a self defeating statement. I'll give you one more. You can't know anything for sure. You got it, don't you? You know what to say. Are you sure? Are you sure? Self-defeating statements. Here's the deal. Listen. Listen carefully. Truth is discovered, not invented. You don't invent truth. Truth stands alone. Truth is truth. (laughs) Truth is transcultural. I'll give you a simple example. Two plus two equals four. That's true on this side of the planet. That's true on the other side of the planet. That's true on the other side of the galaxy. Truth is transcultural. Here. You got me here? Listen, listen. Truth is unchanging. Truth is unchanging. Our belief changes. I'll give you another simple example. For years, man believed the earth was flat. Now, if he just read the Bible, he'd have known that Job describes the circle of the earth. All right? But man for years believed that the earth was flat. And then man discovered the truth that the earth is not flat. And he realized for however long he believed something that wasn't true. All truths are absolute. All truths are absolute. Contrary truths are impossible. Now, This is not my forte of a message. So if you're new with us, you just need to understand. Somebody that comes all the time, this is not my forte. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be putting words up here. that, My goodness, words I don't use normally. Contrary truths are impossible. Now, you could use a lot of illustrations here, and I'm not trying to single out any particular group of people. Listen carefully before you close your mind and close your ears to what I'm going to say. If Islam is true... Christianity has falsehood. You turn it around. If Christianity is true, Islam has falsehood. Uh, you could say that about any uh, thing in regard to truth. You can't have contrary truths. OK? It's impossible. Truth is truth. Most of the world's major religions fall into one of three religious worldviews. Let me give them to you. There's theism. Theism is belief in a personal God who created the universe but is not part of that universe. Major worldviews that believe theism are are religions are Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. They're theistic. They believe in a personal God, but he's not part of his creation. Then there's pantheism. Pantheism is belief in an impersonal God uh, who literally is the universe. God is in the grass and God is in the tree. And that's why you want to hug the tree. And God is you and God is everything. Major pantheistic religions are Hinduism, some forms of Buddhism, and many forms of what's termed as New Age. The third major religious worldview is called atheism. And I hope everybody understands atheism. If you don't, atheism, the atheist says, I don't believe in any God. There is no such thing as God. Now, those are the three major world views, religious world views. But I want you to understand there is a person out here also. There is a person out here, uh, they're called an agnostic. I have a friend uh, from high school and middle school, we've reconnected after all these years, he lives in Ocala now. Uh, He was at my house with his family uh, during August and we had a a good time together, spent some time together, but he shared uh, at that lunch at my house that he is an agnostic. He's an agnostic. Agnostic is a person that's not sure about the question of God. They're not saying there is no God. They're not saying there is a God. They're, they're agnostic. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay? Now, with that, all religious worldviews, all religious worldviews make truth claims. Okay? And if you want to know whether their truth claim is true or not, you can evaluate through scientific and historical investigation. And if you're really serious about it and you want to study it, Historically and scientifically, you will, if you're honest and open, you will come to the knowledge of the truth or falsehood about the claim. Now, here's where we're at, and here's where it all starts in Hebrews chapter 11. Here's where we're at. The basic truth concerning the existence of God is evidenced by creation. Basic truth concerning the existence of God is evidenced by creation. Now, what somebody believes about God affects everything else that he or she believes. Do you know that? I mean, it affects everything else you believe, what you believe about God. Now we're going to examine the evidence and use big words that I, for years, didn't know what in the world they were. There's the cosmological argument. That's actually what Hebrews 11 is talking about. Uh, By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Cosmological is a big word made up of a simple Greek word, cosmos. Cosmos is Greek for world or universe. So it's the argument from the universe. That's the idea. It's the cosmological argument. The year was 1916, uh, you will recognize his name, Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein uh, did not like where his calculations uh, as a scientist were taking him. He discovered the theory of general relativity. I'm not about to try to explain general re- relativity, but it, it has to do with uh, gravitation, gravitational forces. And what general relativity proved for uh, Albert Einstein was that the universe was not eternal. Because up to that time, Albert Einstein believed the universe was static and eternal. But if he believed his theory of general relativity, it flew in the face of his belief that the world, the universe, was static and eternal. It meant that if his theory were true, the universe had a beginning. Now, you couple with that with the second law of thermodynamics. And one of the things that law states is that the universe is running out of usable energy. You put the second law of thermodynamics beside the first law of thermodynamics, and what is that? First law of thermodynamics states that the total amount of energy in the universe is constant. I know. I've lost some of you. Let me bring it down to the level it had to be brought down to for me, all right? Here's what all that means. When you put these scientific laws that scientists agree on, and you look at them, and you look at the evidence, it's like... Your car, and your car when you fill it up with gas, and then your car has a finite amount of gas, and eventually, if there's no more gas put in that car, your car is going to run out of gas. That's what those laws state about the universe. It had a beginning, and it's running out of energy. It's coming to an end. But let's think about, listen, The main point. Scientific knowledge confirms the cosmological argument. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. That's the cosmological argument. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. The universe, they know now, scientifically, had a beginning. Conclusion the universe had a cause. The fundamental principle of science, it's called the law of causality. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. The father of modern science, his name Francis Bacon, said, and I quote, true knowledge is knowledge by causes. You go from the cosmological argument and and then you end up, Here, with the teleological argument, and that's another big word. Don't let it scare you. I didn't use those words growing up either, and believe me, we didn't hang out and go, let's go have a cosmological time tonight. Even though I did, especially when I was doing LSD. Uh, Oh, thank God I'm over that. I was saved. Telos is Greek for design. Greek for design. So you have the cosmological argument. Universe had a beginning. Okay? What caused it? And then it leads you to this argument, the teleological argument. And here's this argument in essence. Here it is. Every design had a designer. The universe has highly complex design. Scientific conclusion. The universe had a designer. Isaac Newton said this, This most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Isaac Newton, do you appreciate where you live? I'm not talking about Florida. I'm talking about the planet we live on. I hope you'll appreciate more after you leave this church service uh, where we live and the fact that we're able to survive. Because we live on planet Earth, and planet Earth is a tiny, tiny dot of an oasis in the midst of a hostile cosmic environment.
0: Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Hebrews here on The Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, CCF. STPETE.church. Once you're there, just look under the resources tab. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at c-c-f-s-t-p-e-t-e dot church. Again, that email address is info at ccfst p-e-t-e dot church be sure and let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email in addition to that we would love to meet you in person so if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area feel free to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. You can find out more from our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. But be sure to join Pastor Danny next time for more from the book of Hebrews. Our vision for this ministry is teaching the word, reaching the world, right here on The Living Word.